Hello. Welcome to a very unique episode of Cloud and Clear. Today, we're going to cover everything having to do with telecom, media, entertainment, and gaming in the world of Google Cloud and in general. And for that, I could not have two more appropriate guests with me today. First, my very good friend from Google, Catherine Abdallah. She runs a partner sales organization for this very um, specific vertical within Google Cloud. And also, we have our own leader for telco media entertainment, Andy Wright. Welcome to you both. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having us. No, I you know I love when we do these three-way kind of conversations on uh, Cloud and Clear because it's actually a great way to engage. It becomes very compelling. People's thoughts all go out on the table. Uh, it's also very appropriate because we work together as a team every day. So this is sort of a behind-the-scenes view of uh, what we talk about as we plan uh, go-to-market, as we engage with customers, engage with the Google field. Um, first, Catherine, you know, you and I met, God, it was years and years ago, and I think it was in Austin. Um, it and was. you had, a, you know, a long, illustrious career um, and also a long time at Google in various roles. And I think what, you know, the audience really enjoys when we do these is when our guests talk about their journey. So let's spend a little time on that because I think um, just even as long as I've known you, I, I found you know your uh, trajectory just super exciting to, to follow. Thank you so much, Tony. And I wanna first start by saying thank you for having me here. Um, while my journey at Google is nine years old, my journey in Google Cloud has been four years old and throughout that entire journey, Sada has been with me. So uh, I feel like we've grown up together, or at least I've grown up in a, in a Sada and Google Cloud world, which is um, such a great thing to be able to say. Um, yeah, so I've been at Google since 2012. I started out in our Dubai office. And since then, it's been three offices. I worked for Google Ads and Google Cloud. And we, you know, I stint at YouTube. So it's been a very exciting journey. When I started out in Dubai, we were 12 Googlers in this tiny office covering 18 markets. And um, the, we showed up every day and we had to be scrappy. We had to evangelize, you know, how to get the region to be thinking uh, digital first, online first in terms of an advertising strategy. And it was such exciting work. And when I moved to New York in um, 2014, I got to work on one of our biggest advertiser campaigns or advertisers at Google in terms of their strategy. I worked with them for three years. And it was such an exciting year first, because when you go from emerging markets to working on that curve of maturity with uh, clients that want not only what's cutting edge, but bleeding edge, that's such a great way to see how Google operates as well. And uh, that's, that client is really who took me to, to my cloud journey because they kept asking me if I could, uh, you know, the CMO would ask me, Catherine, if I could just look back for the last six years and, and figure out which was the most successful marketing campaign I ran, or how do I invest my future dollars based on trends? How do I know all these things? And the reality is that a lot of organizations still solve these things very manually. Enter Google Cloud. And in, I think in 2017, we had our brand was just starting to emerge so strong in terms of our media, uh, and, uh, excuse me, our machine learning, artificial intelligence. We were really taking the market by storm back then. And so I just wanted to be a part of that. And coming full circle, you know, I came into a team that was being scrappy, very similar to my Dubai team. Um, where we were trying to do things that were just growing bigger and faster than us. And looking back four years later, oh, how we've grown and all the resources we have today. Um, there were a lot. I, we had a really long wish list back in 2017. And now a lot of that has come to fruition. And I remember a lot of the things we used to work on together were, you know, just the things we, we, we approached every problem like it was the most important problem. And I think that that's how we poured our heart and soul into figuring things out that are just things we don't have to think about today because we spent so much time and, and energy and investment just removing obstacles along the way. So um, that's me in a nutshell. Uh, this is my journey with Google. Now that you go down memory lane and talk about all the different seats and in all different geographies and roles, I could see how that's probably more applicable than ever in terms of how Google Cloud goes to market and uh, building relationships, especially in the top customers in the in the verticals team that that you you know you cover today like just that ads experience and the youtube experience it becomes like a um a, a basis of uh of expertise 
that they probably really appreciate because I think more and more we see those types of conversations superseding anything we're talking about as far as point technical solutions when we're engaging with customers that are in your book of business. Absolutely. And that's what clients want. And that's what we want to bring to them. That one Google that approach, everything we can do across our lines of business from YouTube to ads and GMP and Stadia and Android. I think there's also this great symbiotic relationship between the different Google uh, business units or Alphabet business units. If we think about the first time the term cloud computing in general in the industry was coined by Eric Schmidt. It was at a Google search ads conference because it, and he was, he was looking to the future and he was thinking about something that wasn't really tangible, uh, Back then, I think it was 2009, if I'm not mistaken, and just to see, you know, how the the you know the idea of how do we support over a billion active users every single day, or, or you know, monthly active users across YouTube, Android, ads, and just trying to figure out how to stand up um, that type of customer base. That's really the heart and soul of of Google Cloud, and just thinking about how products like Anthos mirror, you know, our, our open source roots and, and, you know, the history of Android, it all really comes full circle within Google. So having had the opportunity to spend time in different business units, talking to, to emerging uh, clients and emerging businesses and, and emerging markets and, cl- and mature clients and, and really seeing that Google journey come full circle, I have to say that we're all thinking about this, how to solve the same problems from different angles yeah. and bringing it all together from a client perspective is so important. Not ignoring how, you know, a CMO, you know, is interacting with a CTO or a CDO. These these conversations are happening. And when we approach them in a silo, we're not solving that holistic growth challenge. So it's totally. so great to be able to to address that and, and leverage the the amazing power of Google and Alphabet to solve yeah, the challenge. You know, all the reasons you describe are also part of why we think Google cloud is unique uniquely positioned versus other clouds and we'll get into that later i think it's more applicable and team egg than in maybe other places because of those roots but um before we go too far into that uh andy so happy to have you at sada yeah. it's just been a few Thank months you. we made some great inroads already um yeah talk about your background a little bit because i feel like the i mean we're very fortunate to run into each other at, 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 the, at the timing <laughs> that, it, that it worked but um, let's talk about your background a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I started my career working for the UK government. Uh, so actually it was the UK equivalent of the National Security Agency doing satellite communications. Uh, so I spent about eight years there doing kind of project management and engineering. Uh, moved then to British Telecom, so the biggest telco in, uh, in, in the UK and also globally, they're a, they've got a big presence. And really, I was there at the cusp of the transformation from analog TV to digital TV. So I got to see a lot of what that meant from a, a cultural, from an engineering, from a technical perspective. Uh, you know, I was putting huge MUX systems into BT Tower in London. Uh, so that was an interesting adventure. And then, you know, I moved to the US with my wife. My wife uh, got a job over here, so I followed her here. Uh, and really, that's when I started doing gaming and gaming startups. So uh, my first job here in the US was an IPTV company that got acquired by Siemens. Uh, I then did uh, a number of gaming startups, kind of working for Wizards of the Coast, uh, left Wizards and went to Amazon, where you know that was an interesting adventure. Uh, worked at Amazon mm-hmm. on their devices division and on some of their gaming services uh, as a technical program manager, and then left Amazon to found a mobile gaming startup. So I spent about eighteen months as a CTO of a, a mobile gaming startup and did far more coding than I anticipated. <laughs> so that was uh, that was kind of diving into the deep end there and learning Node.js and JavaScript and some of the mobile stuff. Uh, you know, I set up the entire backend on that system in the cloud. So, you know, really deep technical uh, experience there. Uh, and after that, I joined the Walt Disney Studios where I spent eight years leading various product teams. Uh, so I was head of technology for global theatrical distribution. So that was handling all of the infrastructure that distributed their movies globally uh, and to what was... That's pretty big infrastructure. 
pretty complex. Yeah, yeah. And when you're when you're bringing in ten billion dollars plus worth of revenue through that system as well, it's pretty business critical. So, you know, also headed up their marketing technology product team and their data services product team. So, you know, really got to see the whole of kind of the studio system and how movies get made and monetized and distributed. So that was great experience. And then, you know, last year I had the opportunity to meet Tony and was really excited about where Sada were going, excited about really moving from having a single customer to working with a number of customers across the industry and learning about their business and helping them solve their challenges and seize the opportunities that they have. Yeah, look, I think uh, everybody on your team, Andy, comes from having done the work in-house at a very high level that we want to work with Catherine and others at Google to kind of translate and take to many, many other customers. So uh, we, we purposefully didn't want to um, hire professional consultants from like the big five. We wanted to hire leaders who've done it at places like Disney uh, and worked at places like Amazon and gaming. Company. Like we wanted that like hands-on experience of having done it so that the credibility of what we do translates to the customers we're talking to. Um, let's talk collectively about, you know, this vertical strategy, um, Catherine is relatively new, right? Phil's org, Lori's org, last couple of years, I kind of see them coming together. And I feel like this year going into 2021, as you talk to Phil or Tina, um, and, and now sort of your, your input as well has been like, this is becoming more uh, critical. It's, there's more investments going into the strategy. Um, Telco, media, entertainment, gaming is an area that Google feels absolutely is a must win. Um, let's talk about like as far as the maturity of enterprise software and the maturity of ecosystems, et cetera, why this strategy is so important to begin with. Why go go verticalize if you're if you're Google Cloud? Great question, Tony. And um, I think we could start a little bit in terms of, you know, who are these different teams and how are they structured and why they're here? So a year ago, and this really actually predates a year ago, when Thomas Kurian came to Google, he really came on that vision of how to adapt our strategies and solutions to really tailor the trends of the market to the clients and the trends in the market. How do we really solve for the industry inside out? And you used a very interesting word, you know, that credibility, but also that empathy to, to really go on this journey with, with our clients. If we look at telecom, media, entertainment, especially these, um, these two industries are going through uh, some critical times today. They're being challenged on their revenue. They're still making necessary investments. Gaming is going through um, just such a big surge, especially in the last year with COVID. So the credibility of being able to go over and with that empathy as well to our clients and being able to say, this solution was developed with you in mind. We are here to solve your business problems. Google is overall solving for um, you know what cloud can bring to, to the table across all industries, but within these specific industries, there is that um, that tailored approach that really goes a long way. And um, around a year ago, a little more than a year ago, we started our vertical teams. So on the sales side, we have Phil Moyer and uh, into him, we have uh, um, telecom media entertainment and gaming managed by Tina Piccioni, who's uh, my leader. And I love working with her. She brings such great industry expertise and knowledge from, uh, you know, I think you already did a cloud and clear with Tina. So I highly yeah, recommend yeah. going to watch that one too. I, I, I think so highly of Tina. And then um, on the, uh, on, and then we have the other verticals, of course, retail, healthcare, life sciences, and um, financial services. And then this is a really um, awesome team that was formed uh, around a year ago as well, where we built an industry solutions team. This team is, is looking at the future of the vertical, the history of the vertical, and what we need to do to really take clients through that digital transformation journey. Um, the, the, uh, the leader of that organization for telecom media entertainment and gaming is George Nazi, and he is an industry veteran. 
And he's really spent that time growing within that within the vertical or within the industry. And um, he even wrote a book about 5G. So we're really oh, pulling wow. in these industry experts to help us shape the strategy. And with them come, you know, these relationships that are so critical um, to 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 the conversations as well. Having being able to call on um, your network of, of thought leaders within the industry to ideate and build with us is so incredibly critical. So. Um, I'm very excited about where, where this journey takes us. How I fit into all of this is that I'm our national partner leader for telecom, media, entertainment, and gaming. And my role is to work with partners like SADA to also leverage the thought leadership that you bring and integrate that into our strategy. Thomas Curian has been extremely clear in that we are so close to our partners at every single stage of the cycle um, from, you know, when we start thinking about the problem before we have a client in mind and how we solve that together all the way through delivery and and growth. So I'm very excited to be um, building this team from the ground up and to be leading uh, the this, you know, partner driven focus. And yeah. I've already seen in my year in this role, we've done such great things together. So I'm very yeah. excited and just for the future. In the mapping exercise, Catherine, it's so great to see that you know, there's so many customers that we already have in common that we've done a little bit of work for or maybe a lot of work for. But now we get to engage with them in a uh, much more coordinated fashion, I think, just results in a, in, a, in a better, better customer experience for them. That credibility piece is so key to success in this vertical as well, in terms of having those conversation and bring, bringing those expertise and understanding the customer's language challenges and opportunities and then figuring out how we can take the great services and product offerings that Google has across the board and bring them to bear. Yeah, I was going to say, Andy, for you coming from in-house where you were the customer, like you were the (laughs) buyer of technology, right? So you know what it is to sit on the other side. You know how to uh, gauge the value of a partner or a vendor based on how they uh, approach and, and, and execute um, decision makers and the company, you know, the target company at large. So can you tell me about that? Like, what is the advantage of, of, of Google coming forth with sort of a vertical team? Like if you were on the buyer's shoes, sure. how would that resonate differently with you? Yeah, I think, like I say, I think the key there is talking to someone who understands your industry. Uh, and understands the challenges and opportunities you're facing and can have that conversation. Uh, I think there's nothing more frustrating than talking to someone who's asking you a bunch of questions that they should fundamentally know the answers to, right? If they understood your industry and your challenges, then, you know, they should already have that knowledge. And, you know, generally it's less about the technical capabilities of that platform, right? In the case of Google Cloud, what I want to hear is, okay, how can you take those pieces that are best in class and use them, put them together, integrate them, and potentially integrate them with technology that I have already to deliver a solution that helps me solve a specific business problem or set of business problems or unlock some opportunity that I might have? Yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing more and more cases, and it's very hard to do well. It's just extremely rare. Like the best sellers and the best sales teams can only do it once in a while. But when it lands, it's so magical. It's when you go to a customer from, you know, an uh, enterprise software perspective or a consulting perspective, and you're trying to actually, let's say you have like three customers. That's all you can sell to. And all three look like they're already far down the road with some cloud strategy that doesn't involve you or whatever, right? Or they're they're stuck in the past and they don't see the light. Um, so you can't even get them to, to evaluate what you have to offer, right? I've seen a few cases where that account team was able to go and uh, truly understand their, their business, like their current state, and maybe their desired future state, but then not only uh, paint a picture of what that future state could look like, but like help them launch a new offering that happens to run on cloud or Google cloud. But like when that's done well, it is so cool. And it's really like the epitome of like the promise of of why we all do this to begin with. It's like to help transform entire industries, right? Like one customer at a time, but it's, it's, it's often uh, it's hard to do in general, but but definitely the probability of doing it well increases when you approach them with a team who's done these sorts of things before in other places. 
Absolutely. And everybody, you know, it's it's innovate to survive these days. Just looking at how many OTT platforms, for example, have launched in the last year. Everybody can't be doing every single thing the same way, right? Like you need to leverage every tool in your belt. You need yes. to find the best solution on the best platform and really shape, have a wider bench of what you can really leverage in terms of resources across different clouds to really build the vision that you have and not build within you know a, a silo or framework that was provided to you by, by an external party. And I think that's really where Anthos is really changing the game. Totally. And we know, especially, um, you know, at least within the telco and M&E industry, multi and hybrid cloud deployments are here to stay at least for the next four to five years. Oh, yes. And I'll, yeah, and a lot of investments have already been made. It's about how to open up these investments, how to leverage the existing base while pulling in um, a new and exciting technology as well. And um, so for those you know who don't know what Anthos is, it's a single multi-cloud deployment, development, orchestration, and management platform for cloud that will help, I, I believe, drive a lot of growth in the industries that, in, that we're talking about in terms of TM&E. And you know, if you if you I think the early roots of Google Cloud, even before ML and AI, were really our success in Kubernetes and our and our contributions to open source. Yep. So any you know Google client uh, Google Cloud client or partner will know is that we're really passionate about driving open cloud ecos and ecosystem led approach, which is why we're always so excited when our partners are are on this journey with us because we're proposing something innovative. We're proposing proposing something new that and and we're recommending that our clients do things differently and and learn a lot more than they've had to in the last few years in terms of this is a new cloud. This is a way to really drive that that type of innovation that will not only take us from our core applications, but also to the edge and, and yeah. edge use case whenever uh, whenever the opportunity arises. Uh, and, you know, I was just so impressed at how like Sada really jumped at that when uh, when Anthos started, uh, you know, rising within Google and helping us co-develop and ideate about the our, different Our CTO cases might have and how uh, something to, to do market. with that. You know, Miles, Miles <laughs> might have been a little passionate about it. <laughs> but it's so, it's so funny when, you know, when, when uh, sort of uh, from an external perspective, when we get criticized for being single cloud, I always point to Anthos. I'm like, look, we, we're not saying the world is single cloud. We just think Google Cloud is the best cloud. But we also believe that the best way to orchestrate all you know, hybrid multi-cloud environments is Anthos because it's standard-based, et cetera. We, we totally believe in it. But look, we have so much brain power and expertise on this one podcast. Not me. You two, mostly. I like to play a game where I'm going to talk. You know, TMEG is so big, right? Telecom, media entertainment, gaming. I'm going to call out one of those, and you two are going to comment on. You're going to predict the future a little bit. Let's get like, here are the biggest oh, challenges, and here's what <laughs> I see the most innovative companies doing. And I'm going to start with uh, gaming. I'm going to start with Andy. Andy, tell us about gaming. What's going on? What does the future hold? What are the challenges? And what are some of the most innovative gaming companies doing to be prepared and execute? Yeah, yeah, great question. I, I think, you know, the interesting thing about the gaming space is generally gaming companies are pretty cloud mature, right? Out of necessity is, you know, if, if, you, if you think about a mobile gaming company, they, they have a game with some backend services, they want to launch that thing, they need to be ready to go 100x if this thing takes off like a rocket ship. So if you look yeah. at something like Fall Guys, right, you know, you just have to be ready for explosive growth and the cloud lends itself that to that use case and that problem extremely well. I mean, the, the flip side to that as well is, is if you've got a property that's maybe on the downward curve of popularity, you want to be able to manage the costs per user of that product very closely and optimize it, you know, as efficiently as you can. I think as I think about, you know, going forward and the future, I think there's huge potential in, in AR and AR-driven experiences in the gaming space. And, you know, I think there's some hardware platforms needed to unlock that. I know Facebook and Apple and Microsoft and Google are all working in that space. Uh, you know, I think 5G is an enabler for that. So I think you're going to see all of that stuff merge and these entertainment and gaming companies build these experiences in AR that are location-based. So if you think mm. about the spatial web and unlocking that and 5G and AR hardware, as those yeah. things start well, to converge. Pokemon Go obviously took the yeah, world by yeah. storm. I mean, that was a, was using, yeah, yeah, that was a glimpse. Google Maps properties, there's 
Google Maps SKUs that enable like location-based gaming as well. So like the one Google approach that Catherine talked about, but also gaming is at an all-time high. You know, the the King folks told me like Candy Crush is back up to its record levels. I'm like, Candy Crush? That game's been around forever. It's like, no, like during the during the pandemic, it hit like an all-time high. Um and and and, and you know, also like working with gaming companies, uh, and Andy, I think you're you're alluding to this. Not not all the cloud environments for every game were built well or were no. super optimized. Yeah, you know, at the initial architecture level. So there's a lot of opportunities to optimize, refactor, reform, containerize, so that they can have maximum flexibility yeah. as you know yeah. their their demand changes. And we see that with a lot of our gaming customers where they've gone partial way there. So they might have some stuff containerized, uh, yeah. but you know, they're, they're, they're set on top of some legacy database that they struggle to scale, right? So how do you get them into a managed database solution like Cloud Spanner or something like that? Totally. Totally. All right, Catherine, I know this is an area that's a passion, that's a passion of yours. Let's, let's talk about telco. What's yeah. what's in their world? And but by the way, part of the reason this is all blended together because like telecom is becoming media, is becoming gaming. Like it's all very, but they all have their unique you know challenges as well. So let's talk about the the the, the tel- telecom industry and the challenges, and sort of like also just cover how we think Google Cloud's in a unique position to help those providers transform. Great question, Tony. And I want to start by, you know, by saying telecom, media, entertainment and gaming, like you described, there is a lot of um, overlapping parts of their businesses. And but also there is that I keep using that word, you know, symbiotic relationship, because I feel like it's really what powers how we do things. So with COVID in the last 12 months, we've seen a surge in in at home entertainment. And that means, you know, we the the lines of you know of the traditional M and E companies being like music or uh, TV or gaming. These lines are really blurring. So yeah. people who you know in the past were um, you know casual gamers are becoming hardcore gamers. I picked up a controller in March of 2020. <laughs> And I started, I'm like, oh, what is this, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn? I'll play this game. Strong female lead. I'll do it. And it it just has really changed the way um, we we choose to spend our time. But from a telco perspective, um, their importance has not been as profound as we've known them to be in the last year is that information fabric that's driving all of us forward in this pandemic, how we work, how we educate and how we entertain. Absolutely. Over 90% of customers have said that telcos have stepped up and exceeded expectations put on them in the last year, something nobody really would have expected because that relationship you have with your telco can be a bit love-hate, right? Because you depend on them so much. They're part of your everyday life, but you they're only top of mind for you when something goes wrong, when mm-hmm. your service is down. Oh, and I experienced that when we had that Texas snowstorm out of the blue, you know, around a month ago, it just becomes so essential. You start getting, you know, these withdrawal symptoms of, you know, I I can't get connected. What what Mm. can I do? So this just really underscores the importance of these telcos in our day-to-day lives. But the reality is that with these increased expectations and this increased importance, this hasn't necessarily translated into revenue for them, right? right? This increased demand. Unfortunately, a lot of uh, telcos are over 75% of them actually are expecting their revenues to continue to decline over the next 12 to 18 months. Year on year, we've already seen a 0.5% decline in revenues. Mm. But this surge in demand is forcing them to invest, especially with 5G coming around the corner and everybody trying to realize that promise of 5G. So right. the the, rev- the um, investment expectations are huge. I think there's around $872 billion in investments to be made globally over the next decade to keep up with, with, de- with demand and to keep up with 5G. So um, yeah. if we think about, uh, you know, how these how these telcos need to continue to deliver quality against rapidly rising demand, juxtaposed with that slowly evolving infrastructure, some people have described that that customer experience is really at a breaking point, right? And especially yes. now with 40% of employees, which are expected to continue to work remotely permanently. And you guys being part of our workspace journey, you've helped a lot of clients move, uh, you know, a lot of traditional enterprises, a lot of them do tend to fall within that telecom media entertainment segment specifically. Uh, You've seen that journey firsthand, how that, you know, uh, 
clients or, or companies that haven't prepared for it have had to just propel themselves into the future right. and redefine how a lot of that works. And that in itself also puts strain on that infrastructure to make sure that we don't have these awkward video conference moments where people are pausing. I can't hear you. Can you go on mute? Can you go off mute? Can you take yeah. the camera off? That's just, that's how we're living and breathing this problem every single day. Yeah. And uh, before I, before I go on and talk about like how what we're hearing, I want to, you know, ask, you know, from a SADA perspective, like how your journey with workspace has been for a moment. Cause you guys have just been so essential and it must've been driving you nuts in the last 12 months. Uh, just like the volume you've had to deal with. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh bandwidth is required um and actually upload bandwidth is required to have a great video conference experience which is part of, you know, workspace and Google Meet. A lot of our uh biggest uh teammate customers started out as workspace customers for us in fact. And so we've done yeah. some of the the larger ones um and uh, there's a great story about Sony Imageworks uh, that came out recently as well, which is like 10 years in the making. And that's just one public example, but there's many, many others. And so, you know, we had customers that were either on the on the way there or had already migrated. And their, you know, all hands on deck emergency work from home moment was actually not that big of a deal, right? They could very smoothly yeah. make the transition. What they had to do in some cases, maybe upgrade some features, buy additional licenses, but like the foundational work was there. So it was like, grab a laptop, go home, maybe upgrade your internet. I think a lot of people had to upgrade their internet, but <laughs> because we all had great download for like watching movies, but not great upload for having video calls. Cause you need, and you know, the, that's a lot of work that the telcos have to do to create that level of almost enterprise experience at home, but bandwidth wise, exactly. but, but, and, and the demand has, you know, uh, continued to increase. Now that things have settled into what people perceive as long-term new normal, um, and uh, and and Javier Soltero is doing an amazing job with the roadmap. I mean, you've seen Catherine; like the features yeah. are just coming out. Um, they're getting better. It's more collaborative. What we had customers do, I think, in uh, a year ago this time, and maybe the first two quarters of last year, was they panicked and bought everything. They bought every SaaS solution on the planet. You know, it's like Zoom and Slack and OneDrive and Dropbox. And so like now they're like, oh my God, we're paying $200 per user per month <laughs> for all this stuff. So now they're like sanity check, workspace, we can do everything there, one-tenth the cost, no data silos, better security posture. So all those conversations are are going great. And some of the biggest team egg names on the planet are, are going live in waves yeah. around workspace in a, in a very uh, exciting way. And, and Andy, well, um, feel free to chime in here as well. I mean, you, yeah, you, yeah. Talk, you talk to us all the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm closely involved uh, with a couple of our uh, workspace customers, big workspace customers in the vertical. I think, you know, in, in, in both cases, they were already on that journey to, to make the switch for, to, to workspace. I think what it did is it, to, to your point, it accelerated the timeline for how quickly they were going to get their organization onto workspace. But I think, you know, the flip side was also it, it helped with the change management. I mean, their employees and workforce was forced to start using these tools, forced to start collaborating remotely. And I think, you know, that actually helped them as they went through the change management journey. Yeah, we've been doing Absolutely. video calls, Catherine, for 10 years as the new <laughs> exactly. as the phone call because we you work at Google or with Google, that's that's not culturally, up until a year or two ago, that, that's not like a culturally widely accepted thing. I think most people still had their cameras off. You know, if you work in financial services, you're still dialing into <laughs> the conversation. So like, that's been a big, that's yeah. been a big shift. And, and I think it will continue again, because I think the Javier Soltero impact of the roadmap, the product is just getting so good and Chrome is getting so good. And the way it all works together is the lowest cost, easiest to manage, most secure and most productive footprint you can have. I mean, Chrome surpassed Mac OS as the number two selling computer OS on the planet. I mean, that's like Chrome is just 10 years old. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. It's amazing. It's amazing. And all of this is just, you know, painting a picture about that digital transformation journey. We're going through it as individuals. 
just seeing, you know, turning around and, and looking at your kids learning online. Like I know that for myself, as you said, Tony, I've been at Google nine years since day one. We've been doing video conferences and, um, you know, it's been part of our day to day. But childhoods didn't used to be this way. Uh, industries didn't used to be this way. So this is part of our personal transformation journeys and, and that digital transformation, but also that level of infrastructure that goes behind it. Just the technology that's powered by Google, by our telcos, just making this truly a seamless experience. It's starting, you know, to really come full circle and, and really just be at the heart of how we we learn and operate. And as we take that back to just, you know, that that pain that 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 our telcos are feeling today, just back to your earlier question to me, I think it's really important. And also if I tie this back to that idea of credibility and empathy, it's really important to understand during this time, what's been top of mind for, for our clients. And not and when we say clients, you know, it's the aggregate of the different organizations, but within that organization, the different business leaders. So if you know, what we're hearing from our business execs, unsurprisingly, is um, how to grow their top line, be it B2B or B2C and drive revenues. And there, within telcos, there is this huge focus on how to unlock the promise of 5G and deliver new industry applications and products and how to capitalize right. on edge and Internet of Things and drive that transformation in the enterprise. And this has a ripple effect on um, industries like manufacturing and retail and healthcare. So a lot of that innovation is still like bottled up and ready um, to to really just drive that that change. Um, when when these industries themselves have figured out these applications and and where they're really truly going to realize the promise of the edge. And when we think about you know network engineering teams, as we were talking about earlier, how do they continue to drive that, those significant investments in infrastructure while creating very transformational capital efficiencies while also driving ROI? So how do we keep the lights on? How do we make money? And how do we make sure that we're, we're really transforming our business so that we continue to drive our way, continue to be ahead of the game and differentiate? as the insanity of the world we're living in continues to to lead the way. This is truly a, like a lifestyle-led evolution. Yep. And then when you talk to you know your CIOs, they're really focused on how to transform that total cost of ownership completely, be it network or IT, and how to transform planning and management of network systems. And so working super you know, closely with engineering teams and products and, and business owners on how to define that priority list. And then when it all comes back to the user, that chief customer officer is really trying to invent that customer experience by uh, leveraging everything that's all these investments that are being made, the, the, the promised disruption of 5G, but also what's happening today is we we're talking about that surge in demand and those increased expectations. And Google can do a lot to help with that. Like, you know, as I was saying earlier, we've already experienced it firsthand through our rapid growth. Like, yeah. how do we support our users with YouTube, search, Gmail? Larry Page, I remember, you know, I was uh, really early in my career at Google and he was coming up and saying, like, what is our single view of the user? What is the seamless cross-device experience? And mobile used to be referred to as that, you know, second device. And we all know now it's our primary device. Yeah. Like even, yeah. you know, when um, I'm here speaking to you, I'm checking, is my boss pinging me? Is there anything I need to do in the meantime? <laughs> Just kind of, is my, is my you know, kid's daycare pinging me? We're always on through our phones. And yeah. it's just thinking about how that seamless experience has, has happened and not by chance. Like Google has a lot of experience um, thinking about how to deliver that level of um, of high tier customer experience to serve our billions of users and monthly active users every single day. Totally. So we leveraged that footprint when we launched our edge strategy last year, and we're collaborating with telcos to leverage their deep infrastructure with Google's broad infrastructure and to help them drive that monetization overall. We talked about how Anthos has been a part of that. And Google is recognized as a leader in data and analytics. And we have, and there are huge applications for data and analytics in that telco industry from customer service to contact centers. And we had that amazing journey that we talked about in the press with Verizon uh, last year, core networks as well, just truly being able to understand and optimize your network through network analytics. And then, um, you know, and you talked about, and you, you know, prompted me on this earlier, Tony, just bringing that strength and that experience from across our alphabet businesses to help our telcos and, and their end clients go through that transformation journey has really been key. For sure. For sure. And I think that's a great segue into, you know, maybe the sexiest part of TMEG, the media and entertainment part, right? Which is like, again, all 
mesh together. I remember I was in business school when Comcast acquired NBC Universal. And we're like, what do you mean? The people providing the pipes are buying the people that make the stuff? That's crazy, right? Like, but that's how much, you know, the world was evolving. And that was yeah. only 10 years ago. Um, so M&E gets probably the most uh, visibility. Um, and, and Andy, I mean, I'll, you know, it's, it's an area you could argue that, you know, Amazon has a huge head start, right? So as we kind of engage with those customers, and again, many of them are, are existing customers, whether it's for workspace and a little bit of GCP and we're doing map stuff with them. But how, do, how does Google win with m and &E? Because they are producing more content than ever. They have to stream it in different ways and deliver it in different ways than ever before. We've seen that be both, both challenge and evolved. Frankly, I love paying $30 for a brand new Disney release like at home. Like I think I'll do that forever, right? Yeah. So how is that all shifting? And how do you see Google's role in there? And considering a lot of the stuff used to run on-premise, then a lot of the stuff, you know, Amazon has, a, has an early start. You worked at Amazon. You're probably part of those projects. How's Google going to win? Yeah, great question. I, I think, you know, what I think is interesting about Google's strategy is leaning heavily on partners and ISVs, right, to bring those industry-specific solutions, to, to augment the industry solutions that they, they're working on as well internally. But I, I think, you know, I've seen a, a lot of progress there in terms of other partners and ISVs building on top of the Google infrastructure. Uh, I mean, Google has a specific advantage, uh, specifically around their global network and their points of presence globally. So, you know, if you're a media company thinking about, okay, with a diverse, geographically diverse workforce, how do you give them the access to the content? Uh, how do you distribute that content both internally and to the end users? I think Google has a huge advantage uh, with its global network. And as they continue to, to invest in the solutions that Catherine talked about earlier, you know, they're going to start to close the gap on the Amazons of the world. Uh, I think, you know, obviously you alluded to this, Tony, with the, the Disney Plus thing and buying new releases there. COVID has... Uh, accelerated what I saw as an inevitable change to those distribution models. Uh, so, you know, you look at what Disney's doing now with Disney Plus and putting releases, you know, day and date with theatrical, uh, HBO are doing the same, you know, and they're meeting customers where they need where they need to, right, where the demand is. Uh, and, you know, I think they haven't done it in the past due to the business relationships and huge amounts of revenue they had tied up in them, but COVID forced them to re-examine those strategies and to think differently and really focus on the needs of customers. Uh, and, you know, it gives them a lot of flexibility. So now if you're a movie studio or a content owner, you've got a lot of different options in terms of how you distribute and monetize that content, whereas before you were probably tied into a very specific windowing strategy. Uh, so, you know, I think where Google can help is obviously that, uh, that global network, you know, the best cloud technology. You know, we've seen a lot of creative workflows move to the cloud, uh, again, you know, accelerated by COVID. So, you know, thinking workstations in the cloud, so editorial uh, workflows, even game development, uh, development of animation content on game engines, all done mm. with cloud-based workstations and cloud-based rendering. So, you know, we're going to see, uh, you know, animation movie studios work entirely in the cloud from creation to ideation to storyboarding through to encoding and packaging for distribution. So, you know, I think... Uh, you know, Google is extremely well positioned with their partner strategy, with the ISVs that they've got using their platform and the investments they're making on their side in the industry-specific solutions. Yeah, absolutely. Catherine, anything to add on the media side? &E? Yeah, absolutely. And I just love hearing Andy talk through that story because, you know, you guys know what, what makes Google unique in this space. I think to add to that, our machine learning and AI is going to be critical, going to be key. There is a crowding in all of these OTT platforms launching in the last year. They they're in a. They're, I think the average user spends thirty nine dollars per month on subscription services, and that dollar, that thirty nine dollars, it's it's you have to stretch it across all of these services. On average, users may have three. Um, so how do you differentiate yourself? It's so easy to subscribe and then unsubscribe. It's just so easy. Super easy. 
So yeah. a lot of the strategy is around content. Which content do I produce? What are users watching? Um, how do I segment my users to understand how to inform my content strategy? It's really expensive to produce content that doesn't work, that nobody wants to watch. So you're just adding to that content graveyard. And we're reaching a point of, of saturation of you can watch so many shows on just one streaming platform, hundreds and thousands of shows, multiplying that by you know the number of streaming platforms you have. You, this really just amplifies the data problem. So yeah. if I'm a CMO, oh. I want to understand how do I make my marketing investment worthwhile? How do I really drive that ROI to acquire the right user, retain that user? And today, retention is the new acquisition. You get yeah. that user, you keep that user. And the way you keep yeah. them is by really driving that content strategy that you have. And um, I think, you know, just the, the power between Google's ML and AI there is really critical. Like YouTube, uh, you know, we, we've, we've gone through these challenges with YouTube. I think, you know, I remember 10 years ago um, when, when I was on the ads team, we were talking about like, it used to be number of views, number of views that, we, you know, that, yeah. that we were, that we would discuss with our CMOs. Today it's time spent. And mm -hmm. then, and so if you think about that lifetime value of the user, it's really how long they spend on, on your platform. And when it's at the end of the day, you're tired, you don't want to put a lot of thought, you really just default to your go-to. But that default to that go-to, that's, for us, it seems, you know, as users, we don't maybe put much thought into it, but that's the power of branding. That's the power of um, hundreds and thousands of people at these organizations putting together everything they know about the user individually and in aggregate to deliver that best in class experience. Yeah, that that's so important. You. That's so important. Yeah. YouTube is yeah. so good at serving me what I'm interested in. Plus, it's so good that I'm willing to pay for it and not see the ads. You know, and I think that's a leap that these platforms need to make as well and decide like these studios, how are they, how, how's a freemium model going to work? How are they going to create these different tiers? Like you pay for Disney plus, but you also pay 30 bucks to see a new release. Like there's new models being born all the time. Exactly. Yeah. I think exactly. the, the point you made about those, what, you know, what you would consider traditional media companies moving into the OTT space. I think Google's story about uh, you know, the vision API and the machine learning pieces and data really helps with that. Because if you're a media company sat on a huge amount of content and you're trying to use an OTT service, the amount of metadata and understanding from a data perspective you need about that content in order to effectively deliver it on an OTT platform to an end consumer and have them find the content that they're interested in, have it be searchable in a meaningful way, you know, driving recommendation engines, they need that data and they don't have it right now. So they have to leverage the cloud and those machine learning and the vision API to enrich the data that they have about that content in, in order to leverage it on these OTT platforms. And that applies to, and, you know, we've seen this in COVID, that applies to kind of historical catalog sport content, right? Which you, you know, in, in the past paradigm wouldn't have, is fairly low value, but you know I've been watching reruns of classic Premier League matches on ESPN <laughs> Plus, and you know that would not have happened in the past. But you know they needed to find that content; they needed to be able to service it through this OTT platform. So I think that's an interesting challenge where Google has some great products that can help solve that problem. Yeah, absolutely, and especially with production becoming so expensive during COVID. And in yeah. a post-COVID world, it just really hones in on that criticality of that of, and that value of that metadata in, in informing decisions, you know, what to produce, when to produce it, who to produce it for and who to market it for. So I think it just all really just becomes this holistic digital story of how do we, how, how are our decision makers better informed and how does this eventually trickle down to the user where we're living our lives just with all this amazing cons uh, content constantly and uh, we, we want this to continue and become better. Yeah. And, and just to highlight, and, and this is a customer of ours, so this, it pains me to say, but, you know, it takes more than an unlimited amount of money and Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman to make something work. I mean, we saw, you know, Quibi, uh, Quibi's rise and fall, unfortunately. Um, this is not easy to figure out. And we're in the position to help um, traditional media companies transform. Again, all of it is related, 
because there's 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 you know gaming stuff that happens from from these properties and these assets. There's of course a completely different uh, pressure on 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 the the telecom side to be able to provide the level of bandwidth required to consume all this stuff. Uh, we're in a tremendous position to help. Uh, we're more excited than ever to pa- partner with you, Catherine, and with Tina and with George. Um, you know, with Andy and 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 the, the army of engineering uh, uh, team members and architects uh, behind him to help support, and and we're really excited about what Google's going to bring to market because I think we're starting to make inroads and stories are starting to come out. But I think the best is yet to come, and I think the next you know twenty twenty one is going to be defining year, but the next several years are going to be extremely exciting uh, in terms of Google's impact in the space. Absolutely. I'm so excited as well, Tony. And just thinking like this is 12 months with our industry solutions teams and our uh, sales teams catering to clients, bringing, you know, these client demands from the field, just what we've been able to accomplish and tailor in one year. I am so humbled and, and grateful for these amazing individuals we have here at Google working for Tina and George and really driving this momentum in telecom, media, entertainment and gaming. And I'm grateful for partners like Sada, where you guys listen and tailor and move with us in real time. Uh, you know, sometimes as uh, cloud providers, as partners, as 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 clients as well, we're at risk of stagnating, and that just that energy to wake up every day and say, "I'm probably you know going to learn something new today," or "I want to yeah. learn something new today," "I want to build something new today." That takes energy. It takes selecting the right people, and I commend you on that. I think you do an excellent job hiring the right folks on your team that are bringing that energy and that innovation and that that true listening that we need today. So I can only imagine the great things that we're going to do together. Appreciate that. Andy, any final words of wisdom? Just excited about the future and the potential, right, of aligning with Google's industry vertical strategy and being a part of that and being a part of the investment that Tony and the leadership team at SADA are making in supporting that vertical strategy at SADA. Well said. Um, Catherine, thank you for the partnership, for the support. Uh, we believe in a high level of activity, as you've seen, but without someone like you to really orchestrate how partners engage with customers and with Google, all of our efforts would uh, would uh, would not land at all the way they're landing right now. So I appreciate your um, your, your alignment with our teams, and uh, thank you so much for being on our. Thank you. Uh, podcast. And uh, thank you, Andy, for, for coming on board, uh, joining SADA and driving all this innovation here for our customers. And I look forward to an amazing 2021 together. Thank you for being my guests. Thank you. Thank you, Tony, for having us. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, SADA.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.